Welcome to the Real Estate Espresso Podcast, your morning shot of what's new in the world of real estate investing. I'm your host, Victor Manash. For This is the weekend edition for Sunday, September 25th. I'm your host, Victor Manash. On today's show, we have a great guest. He's a repeat guest. He's none other than Mr. George Ross. And on today's show, we're focusing on negotiation, an area in which George is a world-class expert. Listen to my conversation with George Ross. Good evening, George. Nice to see you. <laughs> Not too long ago, you did see me. That's right. That was a lot of fun. Thank you for doing that. It was. You had a good group there. Well, it wasn't my group. It was Robert's. Uh, I know, but still a good group. Lovely to spend the last couple of days with you. That was just so special to spend that time together in Dallas. Yeah, it was good fun. So, George, why don't we start with something that's straight out of your book, Trump Style Negotiation. And that book, if I remember correctly, was based on your course syllabus from when you taught at the law school at NYU for 20 plus years. Correct. And um, one of the things that you talked about in that book is controlling the pace of negotiation, Um, specifically making sure that you don't do things too quickly, that you slow it down, that you don't accept an offer too quickly, that you control the pace of the negotiation so that it has a, a, a proper cadence to it. Can you expand on that a little bit? And yeah, yeah, absolutely. The uh, one of the best possible weapons which any negotiator has is unpredictability. Mm-hmm. If the other side can't predict what you're going to do and they're not sure of what you have in mind, time-wise or what have you, they're they're back on their heels that they don't know how to handle you. So you keep them guessing. And you can do that by controlling the pace of the negotiations. Sometimes it pays to move quickly. Other times it plays to to sit back and uh, take it easy a bit. But again, we're dealing into the the question of being unpredictable so that they don't know what's going on. And if you can check it, all of a sudden you see there's a change in their style. Previously, they were very helpful and moving very quickly. And all of a sudden they slowed down. Now it's important for you to find out. What happened? And act act accordingly. Don't believe everything they say, but find out what happened. Also, if it were, they were going slow and now all of a sudden they go fast, what happened? So that you have as much information as necessary in order to handle the, the negotiation. It's a it, it, it should take place over a period of time and after a period of meetings. Quick negotiations are only good for the person who wants to get hurt. They're going to get hurt because it's... The person who is not acting hastily is going to be much better off in handling the negotiations. So this is contrary to what a lot of people think. I got to I, I got to make a deal or strike while the iron is hot and let's do it now and let's get it finished. And that doesn't make for a uh, the most successful negotiation. You, you have to go a little slower and find out what's going on. Now, also find the weak spots. If they were going slow and all of a sudden they want to go fast, what happened? I want to know. If they're going fast and all of a sudden they go slow, I want to know what happened. So if there's a change, you change. You should be controlling the the uh, pace of the negotiations, and that degree of control is helpful because if you if you control it, you're the boss. If you let other people control it, that you 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 do what they want done, or at least what they say they want done. So it's, uh, it's a question of getting all the information and moving at the appropriate rate of speed. 
So when I think about, for example, we all watch for Mr. Trump in the news, for example, uh, he, it almost appears as though he's doing things to be intentionally unpredictable. Correct. Absolutely. Absolutely. That's, that's, that's one of the greatest things. And that's, if you, if you notice, or, or not, no, I'm sure you have noticed, but go back to all of the people that have gone after him, uh, thrown mud or besmirched him on what? They don't know what to go after. They don't have a, 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 a strict line of uh, a, a offense that they think is going to work. They don't know. They come back and they say uh, this, and he says, no, it's highly political. Or why don't you do this or do this? They don't know how to, how to uh, classify. And therefore, he makes it, that, that's one of the things they dislike immensely because you just don't know where you stand at a point in time. So one of the things you said in the book is to to be indecisive. Yes. Say to the other side, hmm, I need to think about it. Um, yes. Yes, if they submit something and you love it, at this, don't tell them you love it. Don't go with this, but well, let me think about it. Now, uh, uh, one of the things that I've, uh, I've mentioned in numerous occasions is a very simple tactic that's good to try, and that is when somebody gives you an offer or a position that you like, all right? Mm -hmm. You don't say, gee, that's great. All you say is, you've got to do better. You've got to do better. See what happens. Hmm. Generally speaking, when you take that tack, they do do something better because they don't want to lose the deal. And they figure this is necessary to make the deal. Now, what happens now, the first time, let's assume that you were very happy with what they proposed, but you don't tell them you're that happy. Uh, so you say you've got to do better. They, now they come back and they do better. Now what do you do? The same thing. I, I appreciate you compromising, but you still have to do better until finally they get to a point where they're not going to do better, and then you decide if that's what you want. But meanwhile, look at where you got from. You got from where you were willing to do the deal to where it's now been renegotiated on a much more favorable basis. Either you got time or you got money or you got something. So when you say you've got to do better, are you just leave it broad like that? Or do you want yeah, to say? Yeah, just like that. It's not antagonistic. You don't tell them how to do it. Mm -hmm. So if they give you time that you don't like, you got to do better. If they give you money, they give you a dollar things that you don't like, you got to do better. It's not antagonistic. But now they think in order to make the deal, if they're assuming they want to make the deal, they'll do something better. Because they're of the opinion that you're not going to do the deal that's on the table. And you're asking for something more. Now, they can come back and say, I can't do better. What's the next thing you do? Why can't you do better? I want to hear the answer. Hmm. I need a shorter period of time, a longer period of time. I need, a, need more cash. I need more time. I need more time to make up. I'm, you'll get a whole bunch of answers. And they're not antagonistic. In other words, you never said to them, you've got to do better or else there is no deal. I never said that. Right. Okay, so you haven't given them your position you are assessing where their position is. There's a, let's say, an, an urban legend that he who utters the number first has the weakest negotiating position. Absolutely true. Unless, 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 unless you, you gave a, a number that's way off the, off the charts. When I say off the charts, person wants a, a million eight for a building, just to take a number. What's your first offer? If they say a million eight firm, what do you do? Huh? 
That's the asking price? Yeah. What do you do? Rise too high. How about, how about good? Million eight, that's, uh, how, I'll give you 900,000 all cash. Wow. Now we'll find out where we're negotiating from. Don't be afraid to, but you say, when you say, no, it's not subject to negotiate everybody. Well, in order for me to get it at a million eight, I got to start at a million seven. That's nonsense. Right. Don't be afraid to lowball something. And so now you take the same uh, theoretical example. It's uh, for a million eight, some, there's an offer for an offer. Somebody puts a piece of property on, on for, they say, we're on a million eight firm. Okay. Now you say, no, I'll give you 900,000. Maybe I'll try 500,000. But I don't want to make it so insulting that we're out of the ballpark. So I said, I'll give you 900,000. They say, that's outrageous. I can't do it. Why can't you do it? Why do you think the property is worth a million eight? I'm getting a whole bunch, a lot of information. Do we, uh, didn't negotiate off the price. We don't know what price I'm looking at, except mm-hmm. I say 900,000, knowing they will reject it. Because if they don't reject it and they say, hey, okay, I'll take the 900,000, that means you made a mistake. You yeah. should have offered them 500,000 or 600,000. So you've got to get into that arena to negotiate what I call the, the differential between the buy and the sell. Do you Take find time. situations where you say, all right, 900,000, and they simply come back and say, uh, we're just too far apart to even have a conversation? Good. Where do you, what, not, a, not to have a conversation. Why can't we have a conversation? Right. What's the answer? You can always have a conversation. And how did you arrive at with a million eight? Well, that's my, my, my broker said that's what it's worth. What? What does your broker know? That doesn't mean it. I have 10, 10 comparables in here that show 900,000 is the right number. I don't have any, but they don't know I don't have it. So that's, that's the key. So you're always keeping your true meaning and your true uh, dealings close to the vest without them knowing where you're going to be. So if I say 900,000 out of a million, do you know how much I'm ready to pay? More than 900? No. You know, then you know, there's 900. So we have to go from there. So I say, well, that's totally unrealistic. Yeah. What do you think is more realistic? I want to hear it. A million eight firm. How did you get to a million eight firm? What makes you think that your property is worth a million eight? I want to hear the answers. Right. That's the key. Get the information. And then you can analyze the information and you got your next degree area that can be questioned. So if they say, I want all cash, well, so why do you need all cash? I want to hear the answers. And then I'll pull them apart and see how truthful they are. Now, most of the time, I would say most of the unless you're running into a very skilled negotiator on the other side, they're going to give you information they should never be giving you. Why? Because that's what you're asking for. Hmm. And they want to make a deal. As- okay. As you're speaking about this, I'm thinking through negotiations that we have underway live as we speak. You should. Yes, absolutely. And anybody that's listening on the, that's listening to me tonight, you should be thinking about who you're negotiating with. I don't care whether it's a used car salesman, all right? Or you think you're buying a house or you're buying anything. Anything is negotiable. Everything is negotiable. It's so interesting that the environment often dictates the approach. I remember as a teenager going into the the giant bazaar in Istanbul with, you know, 500 vendors yeah. and negotiating everything from watches to carpets. And it, you would literally go in and offer a third of their asking price. Yeah. And it was just and automatic. I understand that if you pay their asking price, 
they are embarrassed. They don't want to do business with you because it shows you don't know what to, how to bargain. And bargaining is an essential part of their, their, their well-being. So you have to bargain, which means you come back. So you have to start with something that's ridiculously low that they will not accept. And they're going to tell you, oh, that's terrible. I can't accept it. It's horrible. That's not what it's worth. And then you, we start the, the dance of uh, how, where do we get to something where we can make a deal that you're, happy, you're not happy with, but you are really happy with because you'll make it. And this dumbbell is a perfect example. The culture requires negotiation. And if you don't, then they don't, they don't like you. They don't trust you. And they, don't, they won't do business with you. You got to have the, uh, the discussions back and forth. Sometimes they can get preheated, but that doesn't mean it's true. That's emotion. Wow, I love my conversations with George. You can tell from the way he speaks that the topic of negotiation is absolutely effortless for him. It's second nature. He's truly an expert. At 94 years of age, one of the wisest men I know. What do you think about that? Think about controlling the pace of your negotiations. Have an awesome rest of your day. Go make some great things happen. We'll talk to you again tomorrow.